lights over my Look over here another episode of the checkmate podcast political podcast by tenement yard media you guys can go to our website which is at www.tenementyardmedia.com and you know for the our notes and additional information on um this episode and what we're talking about and you know if you need more in-depth information then you can go check out the website it's a great website while over there, donate as well, you know, if you like the great work that we're doing. Um, on our previous episode, we spoke to Dr. Kerry Doerr about the current monkey crisis that's happening in St. Kitts and Nevis. So if you want to hear more about the what the monkeys are up to, you know, yeah, you can go ahead and listen to that episode. But yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about Rhea Cobra, right? And we have a returning guest, Orfer, or this is Orfer. Or first returning guest, first one, you know, one of one of the favorite friends of the podcast, um, Alexis Goff, psychologist and child's right advocate. I got it, I got it. All right, so Alexis, um, good afternoon. Just introduce yourself again to our listeners. I lie, not to again, because we do have new listeners. So just introduce yourself to like everybody listening. Hi, greetings, David. Good to be back um, on one of my favorite uh, podcasts, so Big Up Checkmates and also Big Up Tenement Yard Media. Um, yeah, I'm Alexis, uh, coming to you live from Kingston, uh, Jamaica, and uh, educator, as you said, uh, a therapist, um, and I've uh, been engaged in child rights advocacy for activism and organizing for quite a few years here now. Jamaica. So thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. So um on the last episode we have with Alexis, um he spoke about um it was Jamaican prison system um that yeah that came off the heels of Noel Chambers um that was the other DCS um Department of Correctional Services inquiries and stuff of that nature and now we have the real Cobra Juvenile Correctional Center which clearly means that there's something just wrong with the with the with the the correctional facilities in Jamaica on a grand scale. It's not just adult, <laughs> it's just a grand scale. But for persons who don't know or aren't aware, um, Alexis, can you go into what exactly is the Rear Cobra Juvenile Correctional Center? Like what's the what's the infrastructure about? Yeah, just just for persons who don't know. Absolutely. And since you are a, a, a lover and your listeners are lovers of history, and uh, as well as me, I just have to say that um people who are interested in this and the history of uh, child prisons in Jamaica and children in state care, do a shout out to Dr. Shani Roper, uh, who has done a lot of work. Her research focuses on uh, the history of the facilities and the care of children uh, from the 19th century and, um, and early 20th century. And so from conversations with her um, and her research, we know that Rio Cobra really started around 1919 as an orphanage for children uh, of Jamaican soldiers who were killed fighting World War I. So it's been around for about 100 years, and it's always served, it's always had children uh, in it. 
Uh, it's, it's based in St. Catherine. It's been at a number of locations, but always in or around Spanish town. Um, and it currently, for the last about 30 or so years, has been a child prison, or what we call in Jamaica, technically a juvenile correctional center, but it's a prison. Um, and it is for boys, age 12 to 17. And for boys who have been convicted, gone through the court process, found guilty and sentenced uh, with a correctional order um, of some crime as according to the law. Uh, and so it has also been under the radar of activists and organizers, but also of parents and families um, of, of children who have been there because it has perpetually been um, in, or it's been known that there have been instances or reports uh, of violations of child rights there uh, by way of abuse, by way of the conditions that exist. Uh, and it really came onto my radar like hardcore uh, in in like 20, I would say 2011, 2012, because there was a heightened number. We got reports, and as I, as I started out as a psychologist during that time in Jamaica, we got heightened reports of of attempted uh, suicides and abuse of children at, at Rio Cobra. And so we really honed in on the facility um, around that time and have really been following it um, ever, ever since. All right, thank you, Francis. So, have a, have a look at idea. <laughs> but, but what I'm getting is more and more you kind of learn about correctional facilities in Jamaica. You have re but can I, I not really, like, three quarter of them was pre, pre, pro, pre-independence era. Pre. All right. So that's another conversation. All right. So, Alexis, the Indicom report came out a couple of weeks ago on the correctional facilities, and these were... Wait, we call that no. They had there were there were some things that were said in the report. Um, you know, we'll see. It makes sense you go in it, you know, because you know, I'm not a specialist and all, but can you break down, you know, yeah, what exactly is in the Indicom report that has set up real Kobe or uh, let's go with RCJCC, the acronym for it, that has put it in the news. No, well, it kind of fell off, but yeah, but as as brought it up in into the media again. Sure. So, um, Indicom is the independent investigative uh, commission that we started in twenty ten, and as you said before, David, that last year twenty twenty, they seem to have been doing a series of reports on, focused on corrections, which we haven't really seen before from Indicom. Um, but we're grateful for because it has highlighted some of these atrocities. And so their third uh, report that they uh, released, um, and it was released uh, about a week or a half ago, was focused on Rio Cobra Child Prison. Uh, and it, it was brought to their attention by anonymous reports of uh, human rights violations and of abuse that was going on there. And so they carried out an investigation from about 2019 to 2020 um, and what they found, and one of the things I appreciated about this report is that it really focused on what they heard directly from, from the, the boys there, the children themselves. Um, and what they found was that there was, you know, different levels of violations of child rights that were going on. And I'll just focus on some of the more serious or the more serious ones. So, for example, punishment was a big thing uh, that the boys talked about. And that the punishment that they received was, was arbitrary, was for really trivial things, uh, you know, in addition to serious things, but trivial things, minor things, 
what stood out for me is that if it was also punishment, um, it was punishment for speaking out. It was punishment for advocating for themselves. So they said that if, if they were complaining about food or if they're complaining about some sort of treatment or, or something not working or whatever, that they would be punished, right? Um, which is absolutely wrong. And not just punished as in, I don't know, um, you don't know, time out, <laughs> but punished in a place called jail block. So sometimes they would be sent to this block um, that was called a jail block, which is a punishment block, which we find in every single child prison in Jamaica. Again, to your point, just a while ago, Dave, you have to connect some dots that, that also that practice started uh, or comes from our slave days um, and the management of the, of the slave plantation always had a house, separate house, to isolate what they call the, the disruptive um, slaves at that time. And so we're, we're continuing that practice. And so children are sent to this jail, jail block. Uh, it's not regulated, it's not standardized. And so it can be for a matter of hours to a matter of several days. And that they tend to be stripped um, down to their underwear. Um, and that they don't have easy access, readily access to, to the bathroom facilities. And that there was a case of one of the boys telling the investigators that he had repeatedly asked to use the bathroom, but wasn't granted access or allowed to go to the bathroom by staff until he complained of having severe cramps. Uh, also, that they were sometimes um, they were there in by themselves sometimes, but also in groups. And so that there was a group of I think they said something like four to six boys that were in one room at that time, and they showed a picture of one of the rooms on the jail block, and it was a. a a foam mattress, no uh, sheets on the mattress, and it was on the ground, uh, and it was a beer, a beer room, right? So this was a, a this is a, a serious violation. Now this is abuse. To me, this is abuse. This is inhumane, um, and this is also this is torturous to put children in an isolation cell or an isolation block um, as punishment within a prison. There was also a major incident uh, from June 2020 um, of a boy who was on the jail block in isolation and he had uh, epileptic, what was reported, he had epileptic seizures while he was in that block. And that the, he, he wasn't able to receive any attention immediately because the key to that, to that, that cell uh, was not on the premises. And they report that it was because a staff took it off to, to duplicate it. So there was a delay in the time that it took for him to receive any help at all. Now, this is egregious, right? I mean, this is, that, is, that is straight dangerous. That is putting someone's life at risk. Um, and definitely also harks back to uh, Armadale, which, again, you and I spoke about in the previous episode, um, where when that fire started, that key to the room at Armadale wasn't immediately available um, to open up the door. And so we're talking about preventable incidents, preventable abuse of children um, that existed, you know, 11 years ago uh, during Armadale. And to this day, we are seeing that it still hasn't really resonated. It hasn't really resulted in anything serious, in any shift in how they operate at the facilities. The other thing that, uh, the last thing I'll share that came out of the report was also withholding of or discarding of meals. So the boys reported that the first breakfast come in about 7.30 or a little after eight o'clock. 
Then lunch, I mean, lunch comes in around noon, and then dinner comes in around like four thirty, and then that's it. And then they're put on lockdown in their in their rooms or cells or whatever and until seven in the morning again. And so that's about fifteen hours. That is not. Uh, healthy. That is not what you're supposed to be doing in terms of the development of children. I mean, anybody's care that 15 hours without a meal is absolutely, you know, atrocious. Um, and then on top of that, again, as punishment, uh, that there were reports of correctional officers who um, discarded or withheld meals or discarded meals because of uh, something. Again, felt that it was very trivial. There is nothing that a child could do that would warrant it but that they was told that it was a very trivial reasons that correctional officers would throw away some of the children's food. And then mm-hmm. the, super, the superintendent told the, told the investigators that he could confirm that there, there had been correctional officers who had beaten children with sticks. Um, and he had to reprimand them as recently as 2020. So what the report does show, David, is not, let's say, Let's let's look at or let's call in into this space now, Noel Chambers, which was uh, and definitely focused on that one, his death, right, and circumstances leading up to his death. And what this report does in con- in comparison is it looks at not just one incident, but it looks at the culture of punishment, of abuse, of repression, in of violence in the institution. From the top down, Noel Chambers' report doesn't necessarily mention explicitly the superintendent or explicitly other, you know, staff members in the report, as you know. But in this report, we then they are named superintendent, the assistant superintendent, correctional officers are are reported to have been the 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 perpetrators of violence um, to children, and so this mm-hmm. came out, um, uh, as I said, a, a few days ago. Um, and has resulted in some reaction and some response from the from well from members of the public, from 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 activists and some families, and also from the government. All right. Before we move on to the next, um, there are a few there are more things that the that the report said. Give me a minute, find it because they they look on it right now. Mm-hmm. Like sinking them a brain for reading really it properly. Um, yeah. <laughs> So the, the the report revealed allegations that some correctional officers fabricated homophobic stories and labeled many boys as being homosexual, which placed them in vulnerable positions and have psychological effect on the young boys. Um, then this one, look at six. The report revealed allegations that boys were being deprived from sitting their slated um 2020 C6 exams. One boy stated at the time of his exams, he was at the Metcalf Street Secure Juvenile Center and he was not collected to do his exams. Um, then this one, like, so you said that one year now, I never really understand that one year because this is what I never get. As far as I know, so the, the for just for educational purposes, juvenile centers, no, correctional facilities across Jamaica are under the Department of DCS, or the Department of um, Correctional Services. Yes, yes, Alexis, right? Yes, yes. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Which falls under the Ministry of National Security, right? So you have two persons in charge of national security. You have Horace Strong, and then you have Matthew Samuda. As far as, far as me remember, right? Mr. Samuda toured the facility last year, probably around March, April, May, or around one of them early months there. 
Uh, probably April, probably May, probably late March. But sometime in toward the facility. Now, the Indicom report was for, I think, July to October. I saw, it's July after. It's after July. Based on the circumstances after July, them start. But this is the problem again. The report revealed that there was neither air conditioning nor fans at the facility. There were leaking showers and toilets that need repairs, and there were inadequate lighting in some areas. There were broken lights, which the boys have to manipulate to receive electricity while putting themselves at risk at being shot. Me never really understand a part there. Like, a part there never makes sense to me. Because I'm... Like, who... Nobody never knew about this? Like, let's get this straight. This is this is St. Catherine, right? This is St. Catherine. Spanish don't hurt. <laughs> Yeah, right. maybe put more Spanish on his head. And me not understand how me not, me not understand how people know this. If you understand that the infrastructure itself is falling. Like I understand the allegations with children, you have to do like investigation and blah blah blah. But me just feel like for have repair to the facility. Yeah. Right? Me not feel like that can take no in depth. maybe 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 they know something, me don't know. But me just not feel like it I got techno big things for actually be like, all right, then what's the light there? No, we go fix the light. Like the the man the man electrical engineering, the man electrical technician, like, you know, we could do like we never really get a party. Apart they still that part they have been on my mind for a while. Of all the things that have been on my mind is that part. Cause again, I understand that the rest of the issues had to be investigated, but I one day just it just never add up. The maths never add up to me in my brain. So I'm gonna really listen about it. like everybody come out and speak uh, uh, speak about it. And I wanna say everybody because the real cobra kinda got infused with the abortion debate. So it's like more news coverage is covering abortion, right? So real cobra it, it came and, and kinda went, right? Right? But it's as if the powers that bees were supposed to speak about it. And I might not talk about the infrastructure of the place. I'm kinda upset about it, like kinda upset about it. But it's all right, Jamaica. Um, Alexis, one of the things also is um, there, there's this issue of unco- un- uncontrollable children that's outlined in the Child Care and Protection Act of 2004. And can you tie that issue to what's happening at Rio Cobra? Because as far as I know, there are how much? 25, 26, 26 young boys who are at Rio Cobra who are deemed uncontrollable. And can you can you like speak to the the problem with that current law that's in place? Sure. Uh, so uncontrollable has been on our books again from till like in come has been from 19th century. Uh, been used to, to label um, uh, slaves, uh, women, children as uh, uh, too rebellious, uh, too emotional, can't control themselves. Uh, they want they want to run away. All these things. So this is a, a term that has been has been used um, for for centuries, and we have kept it on the books uh, prior to two thousand and four and the passing of the Child Care and Protection Act. It was under the in child in need of uh, in need of care and protection. So that meant that. Uh, a child that was deemed uncontrollable by the court uh, could be sent to uh, another family, a foster family, um, could be sent to a children's home or a place of safety. The law said up until three years, but in actuality, it was up until 18. So you could have a 12-year-old, 11-year-old that would be sent to a, a children's home. Um, and and, their, and the document said 
that they should be sent there until they're 18 years, which was illegal. In 2004, um, the Jamaica parliamentarians decided that uh, they were going to pass a new act called the Child Care and Protection Act to replace the Juveniles Act, and that they made this decision to put uncontrollable uh, as a reason that the court uh, could send a child to prison. And uh, this, uh, this came up from a uh, whole heap of people from the children's homes, uh, places of safety, saying we just can't deal with them. We're just, it's just, we're not, we don't have the resources, we don't have the training, none of that. We just can't manage them. And so they passed the Child Care and Protection Act in 2004. Um, and what we then saw is a significant increase, I mean, a drastic increase of the number of incarceration, children who were incarcerated per year. I mean, we never hit, we never, we never even dreamed of hitting 200 before. We already knew that the numbers were high, but we constantly went to over 200. I think we went over 251 here. And the major reason for that was, was uncontrollable. Now, uncontrollable it can mean a whole host of things. It can mean that a child is missing school, missed a few days of school, not following rules at home, um, and parents can come and say, you know, this this can't happen under my roof. I'm not able, they're not following the rules. And the police or the social worker and the judge says, yep, you are correct, uncontrollable sentencing into prison. Uh, it can also mean, though, that a child can get picked up. We had this happen last year, just off walking on the road um, on the side, sidewalk. Um, police picked them up, said that they were a runaway, <clears throat> and then decided that they were going to charge them with uncontrollable, and a child was sent to South, to South Camp Prison for Girls. Um, and so we, the, the thing that I've now also found in experience and also now in my research is that it also means that parents and or guardians who believe that their child is engaging in sexual activity or that they are gender non-conforming or queer can come to a police station or court and say, this child is, is sexually active, sleeping out on the road with whoever, or that they're gay and this can't happen under my God-fearing house, and so that, you know, this, them can't stay at my house anymore. And uh, it is the, again, police and judge that decide that uncontrollable is a suitable response to that. So for me, uncontrollable in the Child Care and Protection Act uh, was the criminalization of normal adolescent behavior development. It was a criminalization of adolescent resistance and survival, which to me, why are they running away? Something going on, most, some, a lot of the times going on at home. It was a criminalization of victims because many, many, many children that have ended up deemed uncontrollable um, are victims of abuse. And it's also the criminalization of um, children who are, um, well, sexually active and children who are uh, gender non-conforming and queer. And so it's a massive indictment on our history when that passed, and it has caused tremendous violence and disruption to families and to children's lives. And so what many people have been saying over the years, lots of activism and advocacy campaigns, organizing has taken place around ending uncontrollable, is that no child should be sent to prison. No child should be institutionalized for uncontrollable that that should be removed completely from the books, that it shouldn't be back to where it was in the Juveniles Act, that it could send the child to a children's home, and that it can't be uncontrollable in another name. So it can't be disorderly conduct, it can't be child exhibiting behavioral issues, 
but actually you just need to take it off of the books. Eh? And at the same time, you have to in, uh, invest in the resources, in the, in the res different responses and services that parents can go to instead of a police station or a court eh? when they're having challenges raising a child, which is normal, or when the child is having challenges being a child, which is also normal. And then so you can have professionals or you know, support groups coming back to the parent and saying, no, 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 actually, you know, nothing wrong with the child. The child is being a child, right? And actually, let's support you in figuring out how you go and navigate this, this challenge that you're facing with, with your child. Or actually, there's nothing wrong with your child um, sexuality. There's nothing wrong with your child being queer, right? Let's help you figure out what you need to do to be a better person to support your, your child, right? Like the focus needs to be on the family and not just always on this child, on the, on the child and the individual. So that is where we are at, is that uncontrollable is one of the major reasons uh, for children being in correctional facilities. They should not be there in the first place and they should not be institutionalized in the first place. They should be remain in family settings, whether of their own or another one, if the family setting that they are currently in is really bad, but they should not be put to uh, put in an institution um, before these really ridiculous um, reasons. Um, and so we're calling on the state, we've been calling on the state to stop relying on prisons and incarcerating and institutionalization of children to hide their inability, the state's intentional decision to neglect or to abandon children and families in their times of, of, of difficulty um, and to actually step up to the plate and to support uh, the, very, you know, the very difficult journeys that children have and families have during, you know, in their time. Uh, get you, get you. So, based on everything Alexis just said, it's basically criminalization of puberty, right? Yes, <laughs> right. Right. Um, I just want to say, so that the 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 change to the CCPA, um, Child Care and Protection Act, falls under the Ministry of Youth, which is Favel Williams' portfolio. But I know she focused primarily on education. So youth and information falls under, you know, one of her faves, Robert Nesta Morgan. <laughs> Robert Nesta Morgan is um the individual who's I think he's primarily in charge of that. Um, he has come out, he has come out and said a few things about amending the act. Um, and let me just you know again can go on her website. Can go on our website at kanamayamila.com, right? And you will see all the promises that the JLP has made in their um 2020 manifesto. It's grouped by area of interest. But yes, if you go under youth, if a person go up on the website and your person landlord and your person landlord promises and then you scroll down to like youth and then scroll down to the bottom of youth, you can see youth from crime, right? These are the JLP promises, you know. So I'm just going to hear, so I get like all of my, all of my commentables. The next time I'm going to say Nesta, the next time I'm going to say Fievel, they can be like, yo, what's going on with this? What's going on with that promise here? And this is what they said. JLP will amend the CCPA to recognize 
maladaptive behaviors and conduct rather than the term beyond control such that orders of the court are more likely to be made under the Child Diversion Act in appropriate circumstances and correctional facilities only used for the most seriously violent offenders pending construction of alternative facilities for seriously violent youth offenders. So, yeah. Um, can I want more information on this word? Um, yeah, that's what baby, I said. Baby, baby, I can say something about that. Oh, sure, go ahead. Let me just say something about that for a second. Thank you. <laughs> this is a constant tactic that is used by every single administration. This thing about juvenile violence and all this kind of stuff. That is, and that there are juvenile murderers and all these things. Let me just say that that is an intentional thing for people that used by the political class, used by policymakers, in order to, to kind of placate us into thinking that whatever punishment or abuse that is done to them, because they are horrible and bad, that they deserve it, that it won't register on our radar, which is one of the reasons why I think, in addition to the, 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 the as I said, the abortion discussion that's been going on, it's one of the reasons why I think that we haven't had a major, major response nationally um, to Rio Cobra because, same with Armadale, they're bad, right? But let me just say right here that the number of children that are arrested, that go to court, that are convicted of murder or manslaughter is consistently less than 1% over the last 15 and 20 years. That is source data by DCS themselves, a Ministry of National Security. The number one reason that children are ending up and, uh, in prison is because of simple larceny, which means that you take a cell phone, which means that you go in a, somebody, uh, in a corner shop um, and take a bag of flour or whatever. That means that you, know, you take somebody's book, right? That is the first reason. And the second reason is uncontrollable. So this focus on the violent child, right, is actually not backed by um, by, the, by the numbers. Um, doesn't mean that there are children that do some very serious things, but it is not as massive as they would like us to think. And that is, it is a detached from reality, a detachment from reality. It's painting an illusion uh, to dehumanize the bad children so that it doesn't register on our on our radar. Um, and so I just want us to really reclaim and to disrupt that inter you know, the ability to like take that in as a message and believe it because it's a lie. We need to like disrupt that and say, no, 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 that's not the case. The last thing I'll say on that is that at Armadale they had 61 girls there on the day of the fire. The number one reason, over 50% of them were there for uncontrollable and in need of care and protection. There was no, the most serious offense that someone was there for was that they were in a fight at school and one other person was in a fight at a, at a transport center, right? So, so we need to hold on to the humanity of our children and, and just say that there's nothing that a child can do that deserves the punishment and the violence that they have received in any of these prisons. All right. Got you, Alexis. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, um... I said before, right, so someone in your experience, right? Because, yeah, as someone in your experience, um, can if you're able to, right? Can you speak on some of the recommendations that you personally, who have interacted um with these children, have interacted with professionals in the space, want to see moving forward 
from the government to ensure that the children in the children in state care, you know, have the same the same right that my driver say. Every time I drive so like an intellectual, something go wrong. Have the same where we are going now. Have the same right, right? And the same opportunity to fear chance of education, of their adolescent years, of um opportunities, stuff of that nature, right? Can you yeah, can, can, can we speak on some of the things that you want to see? No, no, in Jamaican, this like Jamaican government, it, I don't know, 2050, probably until they implement. But yeah, just just for discussion's sake, can you, can you, can you um, tell us some of the recommendations that you would like to see? Absolutely. And and we are the ones that are going to have to push, push them because, as you said, if it's left up to them, we're not going to see it, right? So, working in correctional facilities, first and foremost, Davy. If that incident with the child that, that had a, a seizure and the key wasn't on the premises happened at any facility I worked at, we would ha- there would be cause immediately of the shutting down of that location. There would be an immediate investigation of the staff that were involved in that uh, um, in that in that incident, right? And immediately, at the very least, there would be suspensions of those staff pending an investigation. So the first thing is accountability. There has to be accountability for the people who have the responsibility of taking care of our children and keeping them safe. And so the correctional officers and staff that were involved in that incident, for example, with a child who had an epileptic seizure and who were involved with the children of the, the, the beating of children with sticks and the stripping them down to underwear and and taking them, for, you know, taking food from them, they need to be taken off of duty, they need to be suspended, they should not have access to the responsibility of taking care of children in the state until that investigation takes place. But up to me, they will be fired as soon as it is it is it is confirmed that they had a part to play in that. That's one. Two, you would also have to look at the leadership of of, uh, of the institution. Because as I said that this is now this is a culture of violence that we're dealing with. So they're either not doing anything to disrupt that, one. Two, they are engaging in it themselves, right? Or three, they're, 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 I don't know, putting up their hands in the air. In all of them, they're complicit and or being a perpetrator. So again, they should be suspended immediately with immediate effect pending investigation. And also they should not be transferred to any other facility with a role of taking care of children because they have overseen this culture of violence to children in their facility and refusal to hold people accountable. People should have reported it to Sisoka, should have reported it to CPFSA because of child abuse. If it did not take place, they should go. Third, uh, they need to shut down immediately the use of that jail block. And as I said, there is every institution has something similar, an isolation cells, as punishment block or jail block, it needs to end. The isolation, the solitary, con- solitary confinement, the punishment of, of children in these facilities need to stop immediately, right? And that practice needs to end. As a former person who worked in correction- corrections, there is no reason, there is actually no reason if you plan appropriately have to use any of those in any of those rules or use that process of solitary confinement and the last thing i'll say on that is that you actually increase a child's uh, mm, uh likelihood 
of having of having self-harm, thoughts of self-harm, thoughts of suicide when they are in isolation. The response, David, when a child is done a massive mistake, and no matter how massive the response is that we need to move towards the child, right, and not abandon the child. And we need to support the child in recognizing what they have done and how wrong it is, the impact it has had on the people who are involved, right? And what can be done to, to rectify, to repair the situation and to learn from it, right? It's not about locking up a child in a facility or in an isolation room as punishment or taking away their meals, right? So that all, so the shutdown and the, of that practice and of those um, separation facilities has to has got to go. But I'll, we're going to go bigger now, Davia, more systemic, because it's now 20, 20, 2011, and we're still having these reports. Eh? And you know, I, I, you know, my week, sorry, what was it, 2011? Jesus. Yeah, 2021. 2021. <laughs> I'm a 2009. Davia, I don't need no more examples or reasons to believe that the Department of Correctional Services and Ministry of National Security shouldn't have any responsibility for children. They should have their parental rights terminated because they have clearly shown us that they do not care about the safety of children and their protection of children in their care. And this is actually not a random thought because actually after Armadale, Bruce Golden, again, another statement in parliament, said that he believed and that his cabinet, his, his administration believed that children should be taken, the responsibility of children in prison should be taken from DCS and placed at, at then it was CDA, Child Development Agency, it's now Child Protection um, and Family Agency, right? That's a different discussion of where it needs to go for me because we've also had issues of, of children's homes, which is overseen by, you know, CPFSA. But I, I definitely am in favor of taking them from the control of DCA, taking out all correctional officers, right? And looking at a more humane, uh, more supportive, a more public health role in supporting uh, the children. And I think maybe Ministry of Health and, and Wellness needs to, you know, look in, maybe be the overarching over, you know, yeah, ministry, but um, it cannot be Ministry of National Security and DCS. And the last thing that I'll say, is that they need to be, we need to undertake the decriminalization and the decarceration of children. I strongly believe that we can end child incarceration in Jamaica. I believe that completely, wholeheartedly, and that we can start with uncontrollable, right? And that we can, at the same time, as we end uncontrollable, we'll see the levels and numbers of children who are sent to prison, you know, reducing. And we can look at every other offense offense that we have and determine whether a child who steals us a, a, a cell phone really should be going to prison i believe they shouldn't and so if we gradually gradually say no take that off the books take prison off the books for that one take prison off the books for that one um then we will have far less children in in these facilities and at the same time what we have to do is as i said invest in making sure that every single um, uh, parish, community, area has easy access to go to whatever, community center, uh, after school activities, a proper, you know, uh, um, education system through, their, through the schools to be able to say to the guidance counselor or to the social worker or whoever, 
I'm having I'm having a challenge with my parents. I'm having a challenge at home. I'm having a challenge with my child, and that the response not be prison or or police lockup, but the response be how are we going to help you, right? How are we going to support you? How are we going to move towards you to get the level of support that you need, and that it cannot just be that you can only get that support in a Kingston or in a St. James, that anybody in a Westmoreland, St. Thomas, St. Elizabeth must have easy access within their parish to go and find the support. Um, and so I think that those, I don't know what's that, five <laughs> things are the, the things that I think about the most right now is I cannot entertain that they stay in DCS any longer. DCS has shown us and Ministry of National Security no no record of wanting to change of the violence um, that they do to children and that that children shouldn't be kept in those facilities because prison by their very nature is meant to be violent and that is not what we need at all for 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 our children all right thank you for that all right yeah so that's number four um is the situation is basically between two ministries. Um, there's Minister Minister of National Security Horace Strong, Opposition Minister of National Security Goafalim here, Peter Bunting, believe Minister of Youth, um, Fayville, but not necessarily her portfolio to handle since she took the bigger portfolio, which is education and that kind of in a pandemic. So it's 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 the responsibility falls on Robert Nesta Morgan and then the Opposition Minister of Youth which is um Senator Gabriela Morris. Right, so them kind of four people there. Um yeah, yeah. Hopefully in the upcoming, you know, days we hear something more, you know. And the correctional center and what they plan to do and what is going to happen. Like hopefully, hopefully. Uh, Jamaica. All right. Um so Alexis last year, may I go go for say uh, June, you know, we had a whole almost two hour conversation about Noel Chambers and that's and, and Jamaica prison system, which if you haven't listened to it, please go and listen. It's a great, great episode. Um but um do you have any updates on Noel Chamber investigation and what came out of that and yeah do, like just remind us what came out of that? Well currently nothing Nothing, we've not heard anything, no updates uh, for about the audit and investigation that was announced by Senator Samuda. Um, we have constantly asked for, we have been told recently, I think a couple of weeks ago, that uh, something is coming soon and an announcement will be made soon, that the audit has been complete, that it will be tabled in cabinet shortly, and that we will hear announcements soon. Um, so that's, that's, depressing because that's no nothing specific at all um and we also don't know what is even in that report we don't know if they looked at right like the days leading up to we don't know we don't know if they looked at the staff that was you know overseeing them or had a responsibility to see we don't know if they looked into the medical unit um and the doctors that were supposed to provide medical services for human health services we don't know we have no idea um and so we are um we wait we wait to see what that document shows, and again, it is it will be up to to uh, to us Jamaicans to really you know bring it to the fore again and to make our demands. And that the number one thing is that if there is no accountability, then there is no reason for anybody to stop doing what they're doing. They will continue. So it's been over a year because he passed in January. He died in January. He was killed 
in January, um, January 26, uh, 2020. So it is over a year that it took place. Uh, and it's, we haven't heard anything significant about it from the government. And so we have to, we have to ensure that something is done or it will go by the wayside. All right. So, all right. Thank you, Alexis, um, so much um, for, for coming again, you know. Um, yeah, so that's it before. Um, we really want to share a light. That's me share a light because this, this, this on America screw up on a black bulb and everything, like, as long as I live. Right. I mean, I'm not old. <laughs> so it, it's been a while. It's, it's been a, a long thing of trying to correct anyone in, 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 in the state care basically right um but the issue uh real cobra was extremely sad i mean children in a situation where they say you try to give students that not children opportunities so they don't go down another path but it's like would it not necessarily help the situation at all like would it not because you know if the only place they can they can feel love, right, is is a, a children home, right, and then children home is in that condition that it is. Come I still upset, say yo, them over, them have to pick them over here. So I, 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 I be electrician. You understand? Like, right. like it's going to be very, very, very easy for a life of crime and violence to be very appealing. And maybe in a studio, like Jamaica, Jamaica make crime. Jamaica make meds. Crime was an option way too easy. <laughs> way too easy. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So it, it it's it's hope that the powers that be, you know, come out sooner than later and, and, and try to make some sub what may I look what the word may I look for? Sub what the word? Sustainable change. Sustainable change to, to, to the to the to the um Everybody that falls under DCS, right? Let me say, when I look for nothing radical, because we know the eater word, you understand? I mean, I expect that from you. But, you know, for the next 50 years, make moves, you understand? You know, we're not, we're not for talk about this again next year. We don't, we don't want to talk about this again next year. We don't want to talk about this. Yeah. We talk about this, honestly. But, yeah, so... That's our episode. Um, thank you again, Alexis, for so 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 much again for coming on. Um, again, for more information on this and all the other things that we have spoken about on this episode, you can visit www.tinamityamida.com. Go to podcasting, go to checkmate, then just choose the episode. This yeah, choose the episode. Know number of episodes is gonna be, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be called the Inhumanity of Real Cobra Juvenile Correctional Center. You can just anyway you see that poster, you just click it and then you will see like all the resources that you know you can read about and or notes and stuff of that nature. Yeah. But yeah, that's our episode. Um everybody walk safe, be good. And again, if you can, just to keep the movement, you know, the whole way call on the 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 circulation of the news about the horror of what's happening at Real Cobra, you can use the hashtag no to real cobra injustice. Yeah, that's it. No to real cobra injustice, whether that social media platform, social media platforms, so Twitter, Instagram, all that niceness. You can use that. Um, show, uh, before we leave, I'm just a shout out to um Food Children Foundation. Um, yes. Everybody who's a part of that movement, like you guys have been doing amazing work um, and advocating 
for um, children, um, whether that be children who are not in state care and children who are in state care. So, big up to everybody who's part of that movement. And yeah, guys, just follow them on the social media pages and donate if you can, you know, because, yeah, I know they have some tree, they have a tree planting thing there. So, if you can't even donate, you can also volunteer. Because, again, they're doing amazing work. You can also follow us on Instagram <coughs> and, you know, and, again, you know, <laughs> donate our website scroll on to the bottom and I do that but thank you everyone for listening and yeah we're going to close out with Protege and Mortimer so enjoy this always yeah. right over my love over here oh. yeah uh huh judge your best eye with the brightest light and I shine upon the you them blind but with their eyes of the truth and right their eyes of the truth and right and until the day that my soul takes flight Babylon will hear my voice Cause we're there so for